I'm Barton Ramsey and uh, founded Southern Oak Kennels a little over a decade ago. And uh, we import, breed, and train Labrador Retrievers from the United Kingdom and Republic of Ireland. And so this is our headquarters and we send puppies home from here for the next little bit. We're about to actually pack it all up and move and rebuild. Cool. Well, thank you for having us here today. I mean, you had a pile of people when, yeah. we, when we walked in. Yeah, we had two litters going home today. One from, um, we have a, a sort of a separate facility that's an extension of headquarters where um, a lot of our litters are whelped and uh, a lady named Lynn Reed kind of raises puppies for us. She's awesome at it. She, she hates to see them leave. Yeah. And then we had uh, Corey and Carissa from SOK Tanglefoot. They're about 30 minutes from here and both litters were born in the same same week so we decided let's just send them home on the same day from headquarters sure. and, and combine everybody so it was fun we had a lot of people you're there. busy you're busy yeah. we, we rolled in this morning you had a schedule laid out for everybody yes, and absolutely you man. have to i mean it's watching watching you we just kind of hung back and, and watched what you were doing and watched the show and visited with folks but yeah you were you were super busy yeah it's a lot you know you've got one person you're in the middle of a conversation and then you have another guy who just showed up and you want to make sure everybody feels like they're getting some time with with you or with you know my wife bethany helps big time right Corey and carissa they know the drill so they handled all their people um but you got people coming from i mean we had connecticut two people from newport um when we had folks out west we had uh colorado here i don't think we had anyone from california but we had two from texas i mean they're, they're making a big trip so right you don't want anything to be rushed and you don't want them to feel like their time was given to someone else so yeah it's stick with the schedule and answer questions and so for the people who are here you know for us it could be just another day like it's work you're sending puppies home but everyone's getting what's going to be their next hunting buddy and family member for you know 10 to 15 years and that's a big deal so you want to make sure by you know gets to have the fun full experience of, of being here well and i would imagine too there's it's like anything you want people to come back sure you know you get somebody that buys a dog the dog's only part of the equation you know they probably they want to feel like they're part of the southern oak kennels family probably for lack of a better word yeah you know yeah we, we try to make that happen for sure and uh, we said early on, we, we had a few people that bought dogs from us who had purchased dogs in the past from other places. And it kind of baffled me, like, why didn't you go back there? And I told Bethany, uh, my wife, I said, look, my goal with all this is that I would sell these people a dog and their kids a dog and their grandkids a dog. I want them to keep coming back to us because Absolutely. They, they trust us as a breeder. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Well, this is this is a first first rate deal. I mean, we walked Thanks, in man. here and I've seen... I bought dogs from other breeders. I've, you know, you, you see the dogs on the tailgates at sporting goods stores and, sure. you know, and, but I know for me, I had a quality British Labrador. I, ha I still have at home and it got to the point where I need another one. Yeah. And I start looking around, looking at who's doing what, looking at who's got what dogs. And I am no, I am no pedigree expert. I am no bloodline right. expert, but looking at what you guys do, looking at how you run your operation, how you handle yourselves and have branded this and built this built this brand, it, I was impressed. Thanks, man, we Tell, appreciate it. How, I mean, what's the process? What's the thinking? Because there's definitely a, 
It doesn't just happen, right? You got to build it. Yeah, you know, before doing Southern Oak Kennels, I was um, in church ministry, and part of my job was to create community and and help community to flourish in a group of people that were centered on um, a, a singular sort of passion. Sure. And I was able to take that. And when we started Southern Oak Kennels, it just sort of naturally became what I would do is it wasn't just about the dogs. It was about, hey, I want people to feel like they're a part of a community. Uh, dogs are something that people are very passionate about um, for good and for bad, you know, better or worse. And and if you can build some community around that, which I think we've done with our, our social media, with uh, here, this place, with our events that we do, and with just bringing people together around something that they love, which is their dog, uh, that, that really is what built the brand for us. We didn't have to do as much work on branding as much as we did building a community, and our community became the brand. So it was, it was really fun doing it that way, and, and the other part of that equation is you still have to have dogs that, that meet the standard and, and right. what people expect. So you have a really killer brand, and after a year or so of selling people dogs that don't make the, the cut, mm -hmm. you know, then the word gets out. So we really emphasized a lot on having dogs that we like. Dogs that are, this is what I would want to own. This is what I would want to hunt over. This is what I do hunt over. And that's what we're going to produce. Yeah. And I think, I think that's wise. I, you know, I look at, you know, we've all, we've all hunted around dog, good dogs and for lack of a better word, bad dogs, you sure. know, or dogs that aren't maybe not handled the best or haven't been trained right. well. Yeah. And it's kind of like the good dogs stand out. Sure. The dogs that are well handled, that are well behaved, that yeah. have all those things. And you look at, I'm sitting here in this room and I look at just the, the photos, the photography on the wall. And it that immediately in the picture over here, I don't know which dog is that. Is that that's Scarlet. That's Scarlet. Yeah, it's my, my daughter's dog. And that's a super famous picture. Yeah. <laughs> and that's one of those pictures that it, that makes you look at that photo and you think that takes you right back to those days when you were hunted around those good dogs. Sure. And you're like, I want to own a dog like that. Yeah. That yeah. picture screams, I want that. Yeah. That was what drew me. That was honestly what drew me to you guys. I'm Corey and I were talking earlier about it's great to have a dog that does all those things, but if I can have a dog that looks good <laughs> at the yeah. same time. Yeah. And quite honestly, your dogs look amazing. Thanks. Yeah. Well, I had a guy tell me early on that um, life's too short to have an ugly dog. <laughs> and I was like, you know, that's a good point. And the biggest thing is I think a lot of times we make, a, we make either ors out of both ands. Right. And um, looks is it's on down you know I have to have conversations with people sometimes and they get real ticky like well I'm not sure if I want one out of that female because I like the way this female looks a little better and I'm like hey we have pretty dogs you know they, they they fall within different sides of this spectrum but it's in the middle of a bell curve of you know too chunky and can't do the work and too thin and doesn't look like a lab anymore you know I right. want the thick big head big shoulders but I want athlete you know and we've really you know for us, you're not going to make pretty puppies out of not pretty parents. I agree. So on the flip side of that, we're not going to make gun dogs out of not gun dogs. Right. So we have dogs that can do the work. They look the part. And then, you know, if they don't, then we find a great place for them and keep on trucking. You know, and it's interesting you say that you're not going to make a gun dog when you don't out of non-gun dogs. Right. And 
I think, I think that's huge. And that's another part of the equation for me was deciding on Southern, the Southern Oak Kennels was I watch what you guys do. Yeah. Anybody can, can watch what you do through your social media feeds, through working with other brands. Yeah. They can see your dogs at work. Sure. And they flat out perform. Yeah. I mean, there's when you watch, when you watch Cedar, for example, you were, you were ta- you and Corey were talking about a hunt that you were on earlier this year, yeah. last year. Yeah, last season. And Cedar and his his half brother, Arden. Arden. Yeah. We're just smoking. Yeah. Geese. And you watch those. You watch that on camera. You watch the videos you post on social media, and you're like, oh, that's what I'm talking about. Sure. Yeah, we always strive when, when we're on hunts like that, and you know it's a good one. You know it's a real banger, and you're filming for Instagram. You know I love to show geese working, cut to the dog during the shot. Yeah. And you've got I think we had 14 or 15 guns. Yeah. But Everyone's going off, and you got a dog on this end, a dog on that end that don't even move. Wow. And then the next shot is, you know, we're picking up the sailors that, you know, it was. 10 below zero that day and sleeting and you've got four birds out of the volley that have now gone at least 200 yards you know how much time it's going to take to go get those without a dog so it's huge for me that that our dogs are the kind of dogs that enhance your experience in the outdoors especially hunting and so i think there are a lot of dogs like you mentioned i don't i don't want to say bad dogs it, it could be a bad dog but it, it could also just be non-existent training, poor handling. There's a lot of things that could come into play, but if the dog doesn't enhance your experience in the outdoors, then you're really missing it. I mean, it's it's such a fun part of hunting when you have a dog that when you leave, you think, this was a really fun hunt, but it really was excellent because of the dog. The dog right. made it like worth being out here. Right. And um, you remember great hunts. You know, I can tell you some hunts I've been on that like, hey, that was a real banger. You know, like we really, really got into them but I really remember the great retrieves. Like, man, I'll never forget when that dog picked up that bird, you know. It's funny you say that because we we did that father that father-daughter goose hunt that's yeah. everybody's seen, a lot of folks have seen. And the hunt itself was it was great. And it was phenomenal to be out there with my do- with my daughter. But I do a lot of that. Right. I, I'm hunting with my kids all the time. Right. And it was really cool. There were a lot of firsts. There were a lot of memorable moments. But the one thing that stands out about that was that cliff retrieve yeah. that my dog did. Yeah. And it's like, and to be brutally honest, he didn't take the line I wanted him to take. He sure. took the most difficult line he had sure. to take. There was a little bit of a draw he could have gone up would have been easier on him. But still, I look at that, and that's what sticks out in my yeah. brain is that one single retrieve. Yeah. And everybody's reaction, of course, yeah. you know, of cheering, it's awesome. and it's like, oh, unreal. Yeah. Got and it. Those are the those are the things. And having a having a quality gun dog just makes those experiences all that much better. Yeah. And yeah, man, I I I got lucky with my first one. Sure. It was one of those deals where I bought a lab and dove in. Was smart enough to look for good training resources yeah. and had lots of time. Yeah. And got. I got a hunting dog is, yeah. is what I got out of it. Both awesome. parents did it. But it, after, after when it came time for my next one, I went, I, I want to do this. I want to be more purposeful sure. about this. Yeah. What is it in your mind? What does that process look like? 
Yeah. Um, you know, I used to train dogs just for the general public when I first got into this, and I trained a chocolate lab that was just phenomenal. Like, he was a great dog. And I asked the guy, where'd you get this dog? And I think he paid $200 for him, got him out of a newspaper ad. And I remember thinking, my goodness, like, how did you want, this dog's a stud, you know, killing it. I trained dozens of, this dog's probably not going to cut it, you know, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm going to make you a dog that'll go retrieve, but man, this is not, and you know, as I got into pedigrees and breeding and, and, and looking at what evaluations there are for different dogs, whether it's here in the UK or whatever it is, you know, really you're rolling the dice, it's genetics no matter what, you yep. know, I mean, it's it, even what we do, we're not sewing t-shirts and selling them to people. We can't just scrap the ones that didn't turn out perfectly. And there's genetics, so nature plays a huge role. So what I like to say is, at, at this point, what we're, my job when it comes to the breeding program is to do my best to stack the odds in your favor. So I want to hand you the best possible deck of cards I can hand you, where, you know, we've, we've evaluated health strenuously so that as far as we can tell, the dogs, we're gonna produce dogs with good hips and elbows. Now we've got a breed where that's a problem. You know, it's, right. it's a real legitimate issue with Labrador. So it's going to creep up, but at a, a far less percentage than it would if you didn't test parents, right? Uh, I want you to have a dog that has big drive. So I'm looking at grandparents, parents, the actual stud, and then grandparents, parents, the actual bitch that we're putting together. Do they have the drive we wanna see? All of those things, right? Little things. Do they love water? Do they, are they social? Are they friendly? Like all that stuff. And so from a genetic standpoint, I want to stack the odds in your favor. And then from that point, as you do the best you can with socializing. And for, for us, that's an important aspect of it is we want to find clients, people to take these dogs home that we feel like is going to do them justice, right? We want them to do their due diligence on training and on all that. So it's a two-way street, right? We're, we're looking at the genetics. We want to hand you a little furball that we feel like is programmed to be the best it could possibly be. And we also want to make sure we're handing those furballs to people who are going to do what, what we want to see to further the line of dogs. Right. And you can't control every variable in that, but uh, as far as track records go, we're, we're super proud of what we've done so far. And, and yeah, so for you, maybe you got lucky on your first dog by just accidentally picking a great kennel or a great pedigree. Maybe you got lucky by just grabbing a dog that wound up being a rock star because it just did. And you never, that can definitely happen, but it's usually the second dog where people are like, okay, yep. I'm trying to get that again. Yep. <laughs> I don't want to gamble yep. as much as possible. I'd like to try to, you know, at least line up as much as I can do to, to ensure that I get something like that. Then right. that is exactly what I did. It yeah. was, it was one of those things I, you know, I got lucky the first time and I had a schedule single working afternoon shift i mean you want to talk about putting time into a dog <laughs> yeah just hours and hours in it because it was fun it was, it was all i wanted to do it's a fun project Every, everyone's first dog is usually their best dog you know no pressure on your new pup but it's right. very hard to replace that first dog in fact when people call and, and you know drake or rex or whoever the first dog was has passed away and now they're looking for that dog again i'm like i'm gonna stop you right there i can't do that yeah we can't do that like you could go i've repeated Matings before, and the second litter is totally different than the first. <laughs> so I'm like, it's genetically wild. speaking, I did it again, and you, you, we didn't get that. But you know, you, it, the other part of that is with that first dog, you're usually eating up with it. 
Right. It's like I'm, I want to be out there training. My first dog, my first lab, Maggie, she's up in the house. Uh, she's, she doesn't work much anymore. She's older, but man, I put so much time into that dog. Yeah. And, you know, genetically speaking, she's very nice, but I don't know that she's as nice as some of our other dogs or if it's just that I put so much time right. into her right. that she wound up being phenomenal. Yep. And uh, you get to the second one, you're like, oh, well, well, we'll get to that when we get to it. And yeah, it's, you got it's, kids and wife. That's and, just, it's funny you say that because that's kind of how it rolled. It was kind of like, well, time for another one. And I was much more deliberate with the second dog and um, ended up with a phenomenal, phenomenal dog and had time. But this one, I told my wife when we came, before I left, I said, this dog, I said, he's going to get all the work that I can, you know, he's going to get the work. There's no, not going to be a problem about that. But I said, this dog's got the deck stacked against him because he's got a fam- young family, little yeah. kids. He's got a lot of competition Yeah. where there was no competition for either of the other two. So it's, it's definitely, it's definitely interesting. And I'm, I'm stoked about the process and I'm, I'm excited to put, CGA to work, to put yeah. Cornerstone Gundog Academy to work. What what are some of those first steps yeah. that I can expect? Man, what's great about Cornerstone is with, with the program that you're in, 52 plus, you've got our original complete Gundog Academy, which has a module called Success with Your New Puppy. And it's going to have crate training, videos in a PDF, uh, common issues in the first week proper socialization, what to do about biting, like all of that, right? And then you've also got on the 52 plus side, Josh recording himself doing all that with Mm -hmm. Violet and recording these videos for a week as like, hey, we're struggling with this is what we're going to do. Hey, we're trying to teach you this is what we're going to do. So everything starts from the time you come home with proper socialization, proper introduction. By socialization, I just mean teaching your puppy that these things that it encounters in the world are good, positive things that it can be excited about, right? Other people, other tastes, smells, uh, noises especially, water, decoys, calls, whatever. Whatever it is, the dog needs to learn these are great things. And you do that by associating them with a positive. And so... Cornerstone really walks through a lot of that with puppies and puts you on a proper schedule. And then even for the family, one of the benefits is you've got an app, you've got videos on the computer. You can say, hey kids, this week with Fido, here's what we're doing. So if I'm at work and you guys are home, just remember, here's kind of the rules. And we watch this video together and then they're on the same page and then they get interested in seeing the the progress. And it becomes less about like, hey, we want to dress dress the puppy up like a baby doll. And more of like, hey, we have a goal with this puppy and we're all involved. So it only works if we all get on the same page. It can be it's super helpful for that. so funny that you say that because my old dog that I've got now, he, the kids were just kids and my kids are small. Yeah. And they're just now getting to the point where he will listen to them. Yeah. Where yeah. he's like, okay. Yeah. He, you've, he, you've passed he, me in the pecking order here. Yeah. Kinda. Kinda. Yeah, it's, and it, it's, it's really been interesting to watch where with my oldest, he will take commands from her and he and they can like go and throw the ball in the yard and and do the and do those types of things where in the past not at all. Yep. So the, I'm excited for that because I'm like you you just lined out exactly how I'm going to do this with sit down with the kids and be like guys these are the things that we're working on this week and they're going to see obviously me doing it but yep. it's going to be moms involved, both daughters are involved. Yep. 
it's going to be awesome. And and one thing to encourage you is, you know, that little pup that you're taking home, I mean, he's not little. He's <laughs> a, yeah, he's a baller, man. Like he's he wants to run the show. Right. And that's not a bad thing, but but those puppies go into a, a home environment. Of course, everything's new and they're establishing an order, you know, a pack order. Where am I? And if you're not careful, you can be the leader and everyone else is beneath me. Right. So I don't listen. I, you know, I pee on the kids or I bite the kids or I terrorize the kids and they can't tell me anything. So getting your kids and your wife on track of, you know, not being harsh with the dog, but just, hey, I, I can put you in your crate too. And right. I can tell you when you can and can't eat. And like when you establish those things, it, it, life's a lot easier. Yeah. Uh, I think that happened a lot with, with, was revealed a lot anyway, when, when the pandemic started. Uh, we saw a huge spike in sales with Cornerstone. Huh. And of course people were home. Right. And they're, they're working from home and whatnot. But I think what happened was, at least I've, I've talked to a few people and my thoughts are, some guys started working from home and realized, man, <laughs> when I leave or when my wife's trying to deal with my dog, he's a jerk. You know, like what is happening out in the field when we're working, he's all engaged and everything. And then all of a sudden I'm working from my office and she's in there yelling cause he won't get off the counter and whatnot. And I just realized like the, the order wasn't there. The, the structure in the home wasn't there. And uh, so, yeah, I think we were able to help a lot of people out from that is a really interesting commentary. Yeah. yeah. A wife being like, see, I told you this thing doesn't listen to me, you know, and and yeah. Anyway. So you could probably use it on your kids, too, then. I don't know about all that. <laughs> they frown upon putting kids in a crate, you yeah, know, no just to kidding. be honest. <laughs> oh, man. No matter how tempting it might be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, People's that's mean. funny. But yeah, that's one of the things that I was excited about because my wife asked, you know, in the process, she asked, what are you going to do to? How are you going to train the puppy? Yeah. And, you know, you and I have had conversations. You know kind of what my background was. It was old school, you know, and you said, I asked you very early on as we were getting to know each other, I said, you know, this is what I use, these books. And you're like, oh, yeah, those are good books. But, you know, a lot's changed since 1953. Yeah. You know, and I remember at the time thinking, well, like what? You know, training a dog is training a dog. Sure. And I've, the more I've dug, the more I've listened, the more I've watched, I went, yep, I'm yeah. totally on board. Yeah. And, you know, it's not, not bashing any old methods by any stretch. I mean, that's what the best people did with what they knew. Right. There, it can definitely still work, you know. And, and I think there are so many things from people who've done this for, did this 100 years ago and 50 years ago that we can learn from. And it's not reinventing the wheel, man. So much of it is, is from piggybacking on what people have been doing for years and years and years. But it is also the case that we've understood more about animal behavior and we've understood more about how to get the best results. So the question isn't like, will that work? You know, you know my grandma's 1991 Toyota Corolla will get me to work, you know, if I need to take it, but it's not the best way to get there, you know? And, <laughs> Not necessarily the most reliable way either. And then there's sure. lots of ways. And then at the same time, you, you got to deal with what, what are these dogs, you know, pedigree wise, what's the best method? You know, what, how has this pedigree been trained? You know, so the titles that have been earned all the way back in your pup's pedigree, what, what took place to get those? 
and how can my philosophy most align with that, mm -hmm. you know, with what, with what those guys are doing. So, yeah, different strokes for different folks on the methods, but for Cornerstone, for a guy that's taking a dog home with his family, wants to have a, a great gun dog who's super steady, will mark multiples, run good blinds, but also be a great addition to the family and have, you know, obedience to me is so important. Oh, man. Um, and, and it's the, the, the cornerstone that we build from is obedience and it's the foundation of all retrieving problems. My mentor used to always say that 90% of retrieving problems were obedience problems. Yeah. And uh, I firmly believe that. So to be able to establish that with your family, I think it'd be awesome, man. I can't wait to see how it goes. I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited about it. It's going to be fun, you know, and, and I do, the kids kind of know what's coming a little bit. My wife kind of knows what's coming a little bit and having the luxury of a seasoned veteran in a dog at home yeah that is just he just does what you tell him yeah they know what it looks like That's when awesome. it's like no you don't he goes through the door last right you know right. or you know he has to sit before he does this or this and that those expectations yeah. are there yeah which and, is huge and it's so that's going to be nice yeah. that's going to be nice but well, yeah, I'm, I can't wait. I can't wait. But why? So I'm going to take this in a completely different direction. Why British dogs? Oh, man. Quite an uproar the last few weeks over an article I wrote years ago, which I still still agree with. Um, I am not the guy who's ever going to be against American dogs sure. or like trash them. I think there are those guys. Whatever on that, you know? Uh, I think that what American Labradors have proven that they can do, and when I say American Labs, I really mean field trial dogs. Right. Um, is unbelievable. You know, it's super cool. Uh, the distance of the marks, and um, you know, as a guy that was writing stuff on on social media about us, and just he said the reason that these trials were started is because one guy thought his dog was better than someone else's, and they had to find a way to prove it. I agree with that. You know, hunt test is, hey, there's a standard here. Does my dog measure up? Field trials is, hey, who's got the best dog out here? And field trials in the U.S. kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger because, hey, that dog's really better than all our dogs. Now we've got to rise to that standard. Well, how do we do that? Well, let's make the mark further. Let's make the blind further. Let's add more marks. Let's add more factors. Field trials in the U.K. stayed extremely traditional. And over there, what they want to know is on a one- or two-day shoot, which dog is the one that as us four judges would most want to hunt over sure. on a normal shoot so they're shooting live birds every retrieve is different steadiness is a huge deal the evaluation procedure is what makes them different and so there are just labs that are labs you know labs that are just bred from someone here in the u.s and they're not american field bred or british field bred they're just labradors right what i'm talking about is the the top end of the pedigrees the dogs that have accomplished the most in both countries and the difference is, I mean, it's honestly, on, the, on your way down here, you ate Chick-fil-A for the first time, right? Yep. Culturally speaking for us, that's like a really normal thing, right? Like Chick-fil-A is where we go after school, just drive through and grab something real quick, right? But where you're from, it's not a normal thing. It's right. not even really in existence. My kids are from Mississippi. They like things, talk about things, and interpret the world a little bit differently than kids from Connecticut, right? right? They're still kids. Right, they, they, their core, there's still a lot of similarities. For Labradors, we're just talking about some cultural differences on expectation. 
And when you build these dogs for over 100 years, or in the US, even just 50, 60 years of this type of competition, you wind up with a dog that is a certain way. And um, while I really appreciate the American field trial side of things, I've never even trained dogs to that level. That's such a, people are like, well, you've never done it. No, I haven't. I've, I've never done that, right? Uh, it's like Kamala Harris said other day, you haven't been to the border. Well, I haven't been to Europe either. You know, like, I, I'm not saying that I, that I can talk what they do. I don't talk the talk with them because I've never walked that walk. For, for what I think my clients, American waterfowlers, who may dabble in hunt tests, we have a lot of people who run hunt tests. I mean, you just bought a, a puppy from us out of a female who is, I think, four for four in season, five for five and finished and done. Like, whatever it takes to get her HRCH, she didn't fail a test, she nailed it. But like, that's not the, the thing, that, that's not the flag that we fly really high, sure. right? Our dogs are capable of doing it on that level, but we are selling dogs mostly to people who want a hunting dog who kills it in the duck line and chills out in the house. And I think the system of evaluation in the UK is where I can find that the easiest, right? It's where I'm comfortable finding that. And so that's why I breed those dogs. Not because they're better than American dogs in any stretch. They're just different, and those differences is kind of a niche that I like to live in, and I've become comfortable in understanding it. That's, that it's interesting how you talk about it like that, about the different cultural, different cultural things. You hit my philosophy and my needs and my wants on the head with, I want a dog that can go out, kill it in the field. You know, duck hunt, goose hunt, a pheasant hunt. Uh, whatever situation I'm gonna, I, I need to put that dog in is gonna just be great. And then come home and be chill. And fit in. Go stand and go row down a river in a drift boat for a day of fly fishing and not tear the boat to pieces. Yeah. Because you can't sit still. Or not, you know, whatever. That's yeah. exactly what I need. And that was what I saw early on with your philosophy and with with your dogs, seeing them, like I said, seeing them on camera, seeing them with other brands, seeing them here and there. And I went, yeah, that's absolutely. Yeah. I'm so. That's exactly what I'm looking for. Yeah, the message is getting through. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad. No, no look, it's, it's that, awesome. And don't get me wrong, one last point on that. I'm not saying that American dogs can't do that. Right. You know what I mean? Right. There's definitely some that can. Um, I'm just saying I'm very comfortable with what I know British dogs are capable of doing in that regard, and that's what I know. Right. So, yeah. It's kind of like being brand loyal because you know this brand of hunting clothing. I know my sickest stuff is going to perform yeah. every single time I, that I need it. Yeah. You know, I know my, I know my ZZ shotgun or federal ammunition or, you know, whatever is going to do exactly what I want, what yeah. I expect out of it yeah. every single time. Yeah. Does other stuff work? Probably so. Absolutely. Yeah, but this is what I know and I'm yep. really comfortable with it. Yep. So. Completely agree. Completely agree. So what advice, you know, going home. We were talking earlier about I have a little, I have a little bit different travel arrangement. No, than, you don't say. Than most people. <laughs> yeah. Where it's, it's not. It was like you know, picking up getting a puppy that lives on the other side of the continent is wasn't hard enough. I had to add in factors to make it even more challenging. Sure, man. You, you, you drove a, a, a massive sail through a windstorm. <laughs> you know. Yeah. 
Oh, it was yeah. it's been crazy, and and then Google routes us through Arkansas, through roads that I really don't think were made for anything but maybe a Model T Ford. Yeah, no you joke. know, no joke. And so we're looking at some of the things we were talking about earlier. Is obviously the puppy's got to stop. He's got to yeah. eat. He's got to eat. He's got to drink. He's got to go to the bathroom. Yeah, we got to take care of his needs, right? And. I can't stop that thing just any place. Sure. It's more like an airplane. Yeah. At this point. Yeah. It's gonna instead of a six hour flight, I'm gonna a two day drive. Yeah. Because what are some of the things in, in that we're traveling home now that obviously one of the, something that we talked about was when you pull into a rest area or a gas station or something like that, you don't want it to because these puppies have only had one round of shot. That's right. They're not, they're not fully vaccinated. So right. you can't, you don't want to just take them over to where every Joe Blow's dog has done their business in the grass, whether they picked it up with a poop bag or not. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff out there. Yeah. And you don't know who's been there and what's laying there. Yeah. And, and so that's the idea is you, you don't do that. You stop where nobody else you think is going to stop. That's right. And with the bus, you know, or even without, for me, it's it's finding those places where no one's going to be mad at me because I have a little bitty puppy in the grass. Um, I, for you, you've got room to turn around the bus, room to stretch your legs. I'm usually on Google looking at the exit trying to find um, like a large church, right? Because I know church folks, they're usually really nice. They're going to be excited to see a puppy. They're not going to care that, you know, they're, they're, they're giving and sharing and kind. So in a large church, there's a huge parking lot. So I'm gonna go find a place, find their grass, let my puppy do his business, clean up, and on the road we go. And I know there probably wasn't another dog there this week. Right. Making a mess, leaving Parvo or whatever else. Right, so, exactly. Yeah, that, that stuff is usually first on my priority list because I can find diesel at just about any stop. And, and there's truck stops everywhere that we can get what we need, but for the puppy, priority for me is finding somewhere clean and safe good thing about puppies is they don't really like to explore too much at this age. Right. He's going to follow you like a little duckling, you know. That's so what we were doing outside the grass. I took him out to see, see if he'd do anything, and he just, he was tripping on my heels. Uh -huh. yeah. When he notices you're not there anymore, he's going to be running to find where you are. Exactly. So you're not going to have to worry about dogs running off or anything like my that. My wife said, are, do you need a leash? Do you need, do you need a leash? Yeah. And I was like, no. no. I'll take safe. one. Just in case. But I won't do it. Yeah, no. You'll be good. You'll be good. And then, and then knowing, like, you know, what you do from now on is important. This is how he's going to learn what the world is immediately. Like litter mates are gone. He's kind of freaking out about it today. Oh, yeah. like, Man, this is a big deal. Something's, something's not right. You know, I don't know what it is. And um, even the little things, like not not getting him out of the crate in that bus just because he's making noise, is going to be tough. But you got to stick with the program because if you get him out when he's making noise, guess what he's going to do next time? Make a lot of noise and expect he's coming to get me because I'm making noise. You know. So yeah, I would I would say from the moment you guys pull out of here, whatever you plan to do in the future, start it. Start it right now. Right. That's that's interesting advice because you hear it's good advice. I'm not saying that it's not. You hear a lot of oh that first week, you don't really do anything with them. It's yeah. Like, that's not. I start yeah I start structure and start socialization. I don't have a lot of expectations. There you go. You know, like, hey, if I throw you a tennis ball and you'd rather go sniff that blade of grass, then okay, you'll figure that out. You know, right. I'm not worried about it. You have a lot of people the first week, like, my dog doesn't want to retreat. I was like, well, he probably doesn't even know what the world is. So, <laughs> yeah, just keep, don't worry. 
You'll be all right. Well, and you have, I don't know, you still have your personal dog, Vader. Uh, he's with my friend Brian. Okay. Um, who has wild ones where we hunt. So. But you didn't start him down the path. You kind of did something, if I remember yeah, correctly. He just chilled out. Yeah. And I socialized him, gave him a few tennis balls. So yeah, he's picking up ducks in the woods now. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. But it wasn't like you jumped all over it from, you know, uh, day one. I don't do it with any of my ducks. Not anymore. In the UK, they'll throw tennis balls with a dog until they're seven, eight months old and they'll start training them. Interesting. Yeah. What's the philosophy behind that? It's something they're mature enough to really handle it. Not in a hurry. You know, mentally they develop pretty slow compared to some dogs, you know. Over here you got dogs that are starting force fetch as soon as their adult teeth are in. Right. And over there they just don't do that. So these dogs they come around a little bit slower mentally as far as just the ability to handle what's going on. Right. And then they kick in the gear. I got a nine month old out there I'm training right now and man, he is sharp like six months he was a little punk, you know, and couldn't pay attention for more than 10 minutes. And now, he's, every week, I'm like, this is big progress that we're making. So that's amazing. Yeah, I don't ever really want to be in a hurry. I don't like hunting dogs that are under a year old anyway. Right. So if I can get that eight, nine, 10 month mark and start really making progress there, and then every 12, 14, 15 months, we're ready to hunt, I'm very happy with that. For a lot of people, that's not good. That's probably not gonna be a realistic thing. Which part? About they're going to want a dog that is going to hunt pretty quick. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't know why you would hurry. You know right. I mean? That's why it's great that you have a dog that's capable of hunting right now. Right. So this little booger you've got, yeah, he has no business hunting this year, unless it's the very end of the season and he's eight, nine months old and you're like, hey, we're going to go out and shoot some ducks in a dry field and me and my buddy are going to shoot two or three ducks. So totally. that kind of thing's different. Yep. But taking an eight-month-old with like eight, ten gun in a pitch, you know, waxing geese is not smart. Too much. No, it's too much for him to handle. You'll ruin him. Right. We trained a young dog for a guy, and he took it hunting. And we told him, go easy. He's like a one-year-old dog. He's never hunted. He's been trained. He knows how to do everything. First hunt was eight guns. It shot eight-man limited ducks. And the dog was freaked out. Yep. And they were in an A-frame blind dog with no idea what. Going all over the place. And I was like, well, look, that dog has been has heard like one-two shot. Go get the bird. You're talking about eight times three shots in the big wads of ducks. Right. That dog's losing his mind. You know, you got 24 boobs going off at the same time, and ducks falling everywhere, and everybody's woohoo, yay, yay, and he has no idea what's going on. So and the energy level's through the roof. Through the roof. The dog's feeding them. don't know how to handle it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, my kids can be that way. You go, you know, give my kids a big lunch with a dessert, and you get in the car, and for 20 minutes they will lose their mind. And then they go to sleep. And it's like, they couldn't help that. And that was just how. Dogs are no different. You, know, you put them in that environment, they can't handle the stimulation. A lot. Right. So yeah, I'm never in a hurry. Not with dogs. If you're in a hurry, you're probably going backwards. There you go. I, it's interesting to hear you say that because I think that is a, I think that's a philosophy that, I think that's old school philosophy. Yeah. And I think it's starting to now make a comeback. Yeah. But I think for a long time, you know, I look at the dog I have now, and I'm lucky, we are lucky, that we did everything together and in small groups. Yeah, sure. It was, I mean, I shot, I think when that dog was, I picked him up right about this same time of year, yeah, a little, about April. Picked him up at the end of April. We worked all summer long. And between, in the month between November and Christmas, 
between November 15th and Christmas that year, he picked up 63 rooster pheasants. Nice. That's super And fun. I was, you know, me and him. Yeah. Just the two of us. Yeah. Which this, is great. That's, that's great training experience. Right. But I was fortunate that I had that. Yeah. I look back, you know, we were talking earlier about the things you look back at and probably, yeah. you know, oh, I wouldn't do that again. Or you joke and like, oh, I don't, no make, I don't make mistakes, yeah. you know, but in, yeah, right. Everybody, everybody makes mistakes, but that's one of the things that I'm looking forward to with this guy, this little guy, is having been, having had those mistakes in the past and moving down that road of, yeah. I'm not going to do that again. I'm going to do, it's like having the third kid. Yeah. You're like, it's amazing the first one's still alive. I know the drill here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And so my plan for this fall is exactly what you said with him. Is he going to be old enough to tag along on some stuff? Yep. But not everything. Yeah. Not, not everything. Yeah. And the so, expectations can be set to like, hey, you're not the main dog. You're just here to learn. Right. And we have a situation where you can learn something, then awesome. We actually had a, we actually had the benefit of having um, our, our cameraman got a pup last year, and that's exactly what we did with with her. We just took her along. Yeah, she didn't have any expectations. She wants to carry she wants to go carry that ring neck around behind the blind. You want to play fetch with her? Do it. Sure. You know, yeah, cool. did not expect that dog. And then it was like, you know what? It's getting cold. I'm gonna pack it in and take her home. Yeah, sounds good. I'm looking I'm looking forward to that, but it's. I'm excited for the trip home. I'm excited to get this process started, and, and I'm excited about the puppy. He is everything. Just looking at him, I'm going, that dog is stunning. Yeah. You told me on the phone, you were like, dude, your dog's awesome. Yeah, he's nice, man. My vet dog. I hadn't seen him since they were little, little. Uh, I went and checked on him when they were like two, three weeks old. I just get updates from Corey. You know, sure. They're killer, they're this, they're that. My vet called him. She was like, those Fiat pups were really nice. I was like, that's good. And she paused for a second. She said, I definitely picked a black one. When you called me or you texted me, you were like, pups were born uh, smaller litter than what I was anticipating, but, um, you know, two black parents. We are thinking, you're talking you know, about rolling the dice, man. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely rolling the dice. It's weird odds on that. Because it's like, yeah, well, what were you looking for again, Todd? I said, I want a black male. Okay, there's one. <laughs> one black pup in the litter. I, it's bizarre, man. Which is cool. It's cool. I've had it happen before. We've bred, we've bred two black dogs and had nine yellow puppies. Um, Just never know. Yeah, but I mean, what you're, you're genetically speaking, those are both black dogs who carry yellow. Right. Um, so it's, a, it's weird because they're both contributing a gene and you've got kind of a 50-50 shot at yellow from here to here. The, the problem is like if either parent gives black, then the puppy will be black. So you've really only got a 20, one in four shot of a yellow pup, right, right in the Punnett Square. Right. So four of the five rolled that one in four. That's insane. Take that to the casino, buddy. Like, yeah, that's right. Wild. I'm gonna go buy. I want to stop by a lottery ticket on the way home. Yeah, yeah. nature's weird like that. It man. is. It's so weird. Yeah, well, so. that is super cool. But well, I'm gonna get out of your hair. You've had a long day already. I've had a big day. Yeah. It's been fun. No, I bet. And I'm. Thank you for taking the time with us. Yeah, I appreciate it. And uh, hopefully, we're you and I are gonna stay in touch through this whole CGA process. Can't wait. And we're gonna 
So my plan with it is that I don't think I will record a video every day, but I'm going to record every step in that in that process. Yeah. And then maybe once a month, once every couple of weeks, you and I'll get on Zoom. Yeah. Whatever. We'll talk through it. And we'll walk through it. So we can you're like, what are you what are you seeing? What can I help you with? Or man, Barton, these three things are going really, really well, but I'm struggling with yeah. this. What's your advice? Break it down for me. Perfect. You know, I'm looking at, at uh, you as the, the puppy coach. Yeah. On this one. It. I love it. That's good, man. I'm excited. I'm excited to see how he turns out. I'm excited to hear what you end up naming him. And uh, you know, and, and it may stay. It may stay what Corey named him. I don't know. You know, that name, I'm not gonna say it. I do too. I do too. But it's gonna be good. And I'm excited to see your trip home, man. I'm excited. Your your eyes look real tired on the way here at the end of those stories. So I can't wait to see on your way home with this puppy. Now you looking like a total zombie. Yeah. Home, it's gonna be great. <laughs> I tell you what, we drove that first night. We left at 7.30 in the morning, Mike picked me up, and we drove across, all, the way, all the way across the state of Wyoming, and we're in the northwest corner by Yellowstone, all the way across South Dakota, yep. all the way down to Iowa, uh, to Sioux City, Iowa. Yep. And I looked, we, we stopped at a, yeah, a big truck stop, and I looked like, we we're going to keep going. And at this point, I hadn't driven that bus, that motor, whatever it is, land yacht. I hadn't driven it hardly at all. And to jump behind the wheel when you're dog tired and it's night. Not good. And the only thing on the road is semis. Yeah. I'm like. Time to turn it in. I looked at him and I said, dude, just let's, let's crash for a couple hours. Yeah. Get freshened up. We hit this thing in the daylight, I'll drive. Yeah. And that's what we did. Sweet. And it worked out. Perfect. And then, uh, and I think we're going to do a different route. Yeah, on the way home. Yeah, I wouldn't do that Arkansas route at all. I'd just go up to St. Louis. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because you've traveled and you've been all over the place. Yeah. When it routed us through Arkansas, I'm like, uh-uh, it's not a good route. Uh, no. No. Maybe five. in a passenger car. It's not even fun doing that. I did an ice storm in a truck one time. We drove all the way to Bozeman, so it's a long way. Yep. Another another route. Yes, you do. It's a long way. So. All right. Enjoy it, man. Thank you, sir. I appreciate <laughs> appreciate your time, and it was uh, great to meet you. Yeah, likewise, man. Appreciate it.